The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Like, it's every person for themselves on that stage. Sure. If he didn't jam himself in there, he would have been left to the side. It was his job to get himself attention. I've always said that the election should happen at the best time for the country. Now is that time. Oh, come, nobody ever reads manifestos during the election, Sean, you know oh, that. Really? Look, they've taken our policies. They are bereft of policies. For every person that likes you, there have to be people that hate you in equal measures. This is Election Daily, a special series from the Inside Politics podcast team at the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Every evening we keep you up to date on this general election campaign, which now has only 10 days to run. You may be glad to hear Jennifer Bray and Fia Kelly. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Is it only 10 days? God. But what a 10 days it's going to be. I really admire your energy. You had a late night last night, Fiek, and then you were up early this morning with, with, with canvassers. More power to your elbow. Uh, yeah, late night at the debate last night, um, up doing the digest this morning and out. Uh, yeah, wet, west of Ireland day, cold. But, you know, teacher was canvassing in Shop Street, but we had something to ask him about, which we didn't think we would have. We went to bed last night, which were the comments made to the Times Ireland by Catherine Noon, in which she described the leader of her party as uh, autistic. Yeah, look, I haven't spoken to her yet. Um, I'm sure he will over the course of the next couple of days. Uh, but, you know, she has um, uh, withdrawn her remarks and apologised. And, you know, that's good enough for me. Um, but, you know, it's not about me. Uh, I just think that we all need to be uh, very aware uh, and very respectful uh, of people who have autism, uh, people who are on the uh, autism spectrum. And we need to understand... Um, that those terms should never be used uh, in a pejorative way uh, at all. Uh, and this is a government that uh, has prioritised autism. You know, we have more uh, ASD units than ever before, more special needs assistance than ever before, uh, more special classes than ever before. And we've also uh, set aside two million this year for an autism awareness campaign to educate the public better uh, about understanding um, uh, what autism and the autism spectrum is. Will she be sanctioned by the party? Uh, no. Um, like I say, you know, she's withdrawn her remarks in full uh, and she's apologised to uh, those people who she's offended. And that's enough. Now, Jennifer, um, I suggested in the first week of this campaign that we could have a regular slot called Screw Up of the, screw up of the Day. Um, we've had a couple of days without screw ups, but that was a bad one. It was a bad one. And, you know, if you had told me at the start of this campaign that a Fine Gael candidate would refer to 
Leo Varadkar as autistic, I would have just laughed in your face and said, you're crazy. And there's no amount of tiredness that would make somebody do that or no amount of exhaustion or no amount of anything. But there we are. Uh, it happened. And I noticed that one of the first things that Leo Varadkar said was that he hadn't spoken to, he hasn't spoken to Catherine Noon yet, but he will. And like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Like, what's he going to say? So you think I'm autistic, you know? I mean, it's an absolutely incredible state of affairs. And I think... Um, he handled it quite well in that he's, he kind of made out that it wasn't really about him and, and that he uh, he accepted her apology. And we saw this before with the Paddy Holohan uh, comments that, that we talked about in this podcast before where Leo Varadkar said it's his opinion that when someone makes a mistake, as many of us do, um, that if they apologise and they mean it, then that's good enough for him. And that seems to be his attitude with these kind of things. Just to be clear, Catherine Noon, she is a senator. She ran in Dublin West in the 2016 election. She's running in Dublin Bay North, running mate of, of Richard Bruton. Um, this time out, not much chance of winning a seat in that constituency, to be fair. No, I think when Fine Gael was polling in the you know early 30s uh, a year or two ago, that there, they had hopes of taking second seats someplace around Dublin. That hope has failed. And I think in the case of Dublin Bay North, that that is one of them. Those constituencies where they no longer believe that really two seats are there but she is running in Dublin Bay North she is putting in an active campaign and this arose when she had a journalist on the canvas with her and she she made these comments um, and they were recorded and I think which probably made it worse is she tried to explain her way out of the situation she found herself in um, and used other uh, terms which are quite offensive as well and I think that probably made it a bit, a bit worse she did have a statement out at about 9am this morning apologising for the remarks. But I think, you know, whatever, I would say her campaign is not in a pleasant place at the moment. Um, I, I wouldn't say that she will find it easy to have, to get local activists out the canvas for her now. And her prospects of a run at the Senate again, if, if she isn't successful for the deal? Will, will be, probably be damaged somewhat. Um, and like, bear in mind, at this stage of the game, People who are senior TDs or senior candidates in a constituency are rattling off leaflets and letters asking constituents to vote number one for me in this area and for my running mate in this other area. You wonder if that'll actually happen now. Um, would they? Would Richard Bruton be asking people to vote number one for Catherine Noon or would the activists actually follow through and deliver those letters, which is another thing. Right. Well, it won't have that much impact, I think, electorally, but it is another But the another one, thing, one thing about it is it, nationally it may not be... It's a, it's a localised issue to one candidate. But yeah. you could see a situation in which it it doesn't play badly for the Taoiseach himself because, as Jennifer says, he's, he, he's taken the apology, he's forgiven. But it speaks to that complaint people have about him. Like we saw in the leaders' debate last week with Michal Martin when he said, you know, I, I may not be able to express myself in a certain way, judging by my actions, not by my deeds. This is, a, I suppose, a, a slightly offensive Way if 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 coming from a good place if that's if that's possible if you read her quotes she uses very offensive language, but she's clear she's fond of 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 uh, Varadkar. Mm. May not be the most damaging thing for him personally. In fact, it may be slightly to his benefit. I think so too. Yeah, I think so. Well, moving on though, Jennifer, you were down at the uh, Labour Party manifesto launch. Um, are we nearly at the end of these manifesto launches? Sinn Fein happened today, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail in tomorrow's podcast. Sorry, listeners, should not. Yeah, yeah, we're getting towards the end of it now. Um, and, y you know, after a while, when you start reading them all, it's hard to look past all the words 
I promise and I pledge and, and we will do and all the figures that people put out and great lofty ambitions and aspirations that we're hearing from, from parties, but still necessary part of the campaign and it does show us kind of what the different parties or what the vision is uh, for the future. So Labour this morning uh, on Harcourt Street, um, they, it's it's interesting, we, of course you got all the facts and figures, but I am always interested in the language they use around it. So Brendan Howland is talking about making Ireland one of the top EU countries for public services, putting us in the top 10, specifically in terms of housing, health and childcare. So he was saying that he thinks any part, or parties that promise massive tax cuts, that that's a con job. And he doesn't want to go down the road of making what he calls grandiose promises because he doesn't think it's sustainable. So their their big focus really is 80,000 houses built by the state um, with a 16 billion euro fund uh, from the Strategic Investment Fund and also from, uh, instead of putting money, 4 billion into the Rainy Day Fund, putting that directly into housing. So the, that's the first big ticket item. And then obviously for the Labour Party workers. So he's talking about ensuring that everybody has a living wage. Um, now, I think one of the disappointing things that I thought about the manifesto was that the measures weren't individually costed or at least the sections weren't individually costed. We kind of got this table at the very end of, well, here's how many billions we'll spend over the next few years. But if you look at the living wage, so living wage is 12.30. Currently, the minimum wage goes up, I think, next month to 10 euro, 10 cents. So, you know, no idea of how much that will cost. It's a great, maybe a great idea. I'm sure a lot of people will welcome it, but you know, we're a bit slim on the, a bit Just slim to be the clear on there. that, so the difference between the current minimum wage and the living wage would be paid by the state, would it? Yeah, so he, the Labour Party pledge is that they would ensure that everybody has a living wage within their three years of taking government. So obviously this might not happen until 2023 if they get into government. Um, so, you know, that was by, one... By paying people, by subsidising private sector wages. Yeah, well, that's what they're saying. And, and there's no costings there in terms of that... Um, you know, so we, we I did ask him about that. I did ask him about, you know, where are the, the kind of tables for this? And he, he kind of said it was in, in the pack, but it was just a kind of 13 billion euro and how they're breaking it down over the next few years. So obviously another one of their main um, pledges is around rent. So a three year rent freeze and a rent cap and Labour Party maintained that this is constitutional, uh, even though Fianna Fáil says it's not. Um, so they're they're pushing that hard. And I think if you look at the debate last night, the first round of applause that we, anybody got was Brendan Howland for talking mm-hmm. about a three year rent lease. Sure. It, it clearly resonates with the voters and, and perhaps it's a reason why Sinn Féin are seeing such a surge from people under 35 and we've seen that in the polls. So Did, did Brendan Howland do a bit of a shimmy shammy overnight about going into government with Sinn Féin as well? Yeah, he seemed to have done all right. He seemed to suggest at the debate that he wouldn't talk to them and then say to journalists afterwards that he would. But then today he said there'd been no change. There's a bit of confusion around that really, to be honest. Constructive ambiguity, I would There's imagine. There's a job for you guys now to chase him down on that over the next few days. Exactly, yeah. Uh, the delights. Um, so, yeah, so housing health. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting as well, he talked about, uh, well, actually the manifesto talked about having a constitutional convention. And this convention would get a team of people together and they would look at the constitution as a whole and they would make a series of recommendations. So instead of one change every now and then, socially mm-hmm. or otherwise, it would sit down and look at every single part of the constitution, every section of it, and then come out with uh, proposals for all and then we'd have an omnibus referendum. Now, we know how difficult it is to get one proposal through in a referendum, how much it costs and, and the kind of campaigning that needs to go behind it. So it kind of caught my eye and I asked Brendan Howland about it and said, you know, this sounds very lofty. And actually, I said it sounded terrifying, but that was more... <laughs> and did more you give a sense my... at all of which parts of the constitution no. would be up for debate or change? No? He actually just said, oh, look, I'm not saying this is actually going to happen. 
it's just I'm just saying this is things that we think about. I just thought that was strange. It sounds a little pie in the sky. I mean, Labour have not had a good campaign, and their poll standings must be very disappointing for them right now, must well, they? Four percent between four percent to six percent that hasn't changed in the last year. Bear in mind that they are a small party now. They don't have the clout and the research capability to draft a manifesto like Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael would. So if you take it that Fine Gael has a huge machinery behind it, as do Fianna Fáil, the Labour Party are much further down the list. And it, they're finding it hard to break through in this campaign. I don't necessarily think they're having a bad campaign. I think it's just they're finding it hard to, to punch through. They are getting a lot of coverage on RTE because of the previous election results. So you will hear their spokespeople on RTE a lot. And they do have a good chance of taking seats in Louth. They have a really good chance in Dublin Bay North, the way that's, that's, that's worked out. So just don't, don't kind of, you know, they will do well to hold what they have. They will do well to hold seven seats, but they're not going to, I would say they're not having a bad campaign. I think, you know, myself and yourself disagreed in this uh, on our overnight podcast, you, about how well Brendan Howland did in debate or he didn't do in debate. I actually thought he did okay in, you know, injecting himself into debate. And a lot of people listening to the commentary over the last uh, 12 to 14 hours criticised him for intervening when um, Michal Martin and Leo Vracker were getting stuck into Mary Lou MacDonald. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of misses the point. It's His job is not to, like, you know, assist a gang up on another party leader. His job is to get attention for himself and his party because they're struggling for it. And on by his lights... I think he did the right thing last night in doing that. Well, hold that thought for a moment because I just want to return to a couple of issues in the kind of the wake of the debate because sometimes it takes a while for the dust to settle and those things. But first of all, I'm going to take a liberty again to remind you that if you do like this podcast and if you want more quality journalism from the Irish Times, you really should go to irishtimes.com slash subscribe and sign up for a digital subscription because one euro is all you pay for the first month for unlimited access to all our journalism, including subscriber-only content such as our daily politics digest delivered directly to your email inbox done this morning by the same fear Kelly uh, so that's irishtimes.com slash subscribe back to the matter at hand Jen what did you think of the debate as as Fiek said I disagreed a little bit about the Brendan Helen thing partly because I thought the most telling moment and the reason it was telling was because it felt true was when Claire Byrne said to Roisin Shortall and uh, Brendan Howland there's no difference between you why you're in different parties essentially yeah it, it was a very telling uh, telling moment I agree with you there and we've discussed this a bit over the last few months on this podcast and elsewhere about the reason why the left can't quite seem to get its act together in forming this kind of block that we hear Brendan Howland talking about all the time and some of it to be honest probably is down to personality clashes you know um, probably not a popular thing to say but I, I do think there is personality issues between some of the parties on the left um, but Brendan Howland is kind of for a long time now being the one calling for uh, a transfer pact and, and for other parties to, to transfer to the Sock Dems or the Greens or whoever. And they haven't exactly shown great enthusiasm for that, to be honest. They, the, haven't, they haven't really I think the main problem is the Greens that. are waiting to see yeah. will they win more seats in the Labour Party. Uh, well, they'd be competing for seats. Yeah, in many any, any cooperation, I think, will come mm-hmm. after the after the event because then the Green Party will be able to say, well, we're in a position to lead this alliance because we have 10 seats and you only have seven and vice versa. So perhaps that's a bit of a strain. It doesn't almost. stop you from having a, a, trans, a, a vote yeah. transfer pact. You know, this just doesn't seem or, to be or much Or a kind of a gentle encouragement that. to continue your transfers down the line exactly, or your, your yeah, preferences yeah. down the line. The debate, it kind of settled a bit. Like, um, yeah... Uh, most parties declaring themselves happy with it, but like if you kind of look back on it, there's a bit of um, a bit a bit of commentary that Mary Lou Macdonald actually, you know, totally won the debate out and out. I'm not so sure. Touching this last night, she did well. She dominated the debate, but the tone that 
she was the same Mary Lou MacDonald you saw in the doll in Leader's Questions. Did she reach out beyond the base? I'm not quite sure she did. I thought she was very assertive, though, and I think she did a really good job in putting Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael together. Yes. Saying, this this guy on my left, uh, mm. you know, caused the crash. This guy on my right can't doesn't know what to do with the money, you know. And, and Can I ask you about the gender really dynamics good. of that? Just as a last question for, for today's podcast, Jen, because... She she very much framed it like that. There's this man here and mm. this man there. Um, sometimes it can be difficult. We know, we've seen it in other countries, when women are assertive, it's read in a different way than when men are assertive. I thought she was pretty successful with that last night. See, Mary Lou has always been, Mary Lou McDonald's always been an assertive politician. Anybody who would have watched her on the news or on, in the doll will see that that's her personality. And yes, sometimes when someone's, like there was one point in the debate where Michal, I can't remember what point he was trying to make, but he's trying to make a point and she just kept talking over him and talking over him to the point where you're watching at home and you're going, okay, who is actually going to win this? Because this could go on all night. And she won out and he kind of had to cede way to her. And I think it it that can come off sometimes as grating or annoying. I don't even think that that's a, a, a man, woman, gender thing. That's just a, a person thing. Uh, that's just what our ears can bear to hear. But I, I don't think, I think she manages to evade that actually. I think she manages to be assertive in as much as she wants without coming across in that way that you're talking about. I think she did a, I think she did a good job. Well, we shall leave it there for the moment, but we will be back again, of course, in your feed tomorrow. Um, thanks to Fiat and to Jen for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Suzanne Brennan. Thanks to JJ Vernon, who's on the desk. You can subscribe to us on all the usual platforms. You can also find us at irishtimes.com slash podcasts. You can mail us at politicspodcast at irishtimes.com or you can find us all on Twitter. Until the next time, thanks for listening. 